Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood and I write science fiction and fantasy. I used to be in the Navy, spent 20 years doing submarine operations, among other cool things. Learned to fly planes, learned to scuba dive, had a bunch of kids, saw the world, and I started writing fiction. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my stories with you in the hope that you'll have fun, and also that you'll like my stuff and come back for more and maybe help brother out with buying a book or two. So uh, sit back, relax, I'm going to tell you a story. Hey friends, Storytime with Michael Kingswood, and we're going to continue this week with What Lurks Between. When last we joined Barry, he had somehow gotten back from Ketchum Station, didn't know how, and he found the bunny monster in his lunchbox. It uh, subsequently took him prisoner, has been using him to kill various homeless people around Boston for the last couple weeks, and he just learned that not only is the bunny monster some kind of monster with apparently supernatural powers because it can get in there and control his mind, but it's a girl and it's pregnant. And, well, doesn't that just suck? Let's see what happens next. What Lurks Between, still by me, part two. How do you kill something that has complete or near enough that it makes no difference, complete control over you. Something that you know from experience can kill you with little effort, and will, if given the slightest cause to do so. Something that seems to know what you're thinking before you do. That was the question that ate at my soul. Assuming I still had a soul, after what I had seen it do, after what I had allowed it to do. But I knew, sure as I was sitting there, that the full meaning of the bunny monster's projected thought became clear to me that this was what I had to do. Under no circumstances could I allow that thing to give birth. I could tell it since my revulsion as realization came over me. Its little lips turned upwards into a feral grin and it made a short, mocking, purring sound. Then it turned away and hopped over to its favorite side of my couch where it nuzzled into the corner and went still. The thing slept. It was a living creature, so of course it slept. Problem is, it usually slept when I did. On those few times when it had fallen asleep before me, it had been tempting to try something, to leave, to bash its brains in, something. Except that the very first time it slept in front of me, I did try something. So ridiculously minor, it almost did not bear noticing. Its rear paw was resting on one of my comic books. I tried to pull a comic out so I could read it. The bunny monster almost killed me. Since then, I fared doing anything more than sitting or lying still. Even going to the bathroom in the middle of the night was a terror. I was tempted to just wet my bed and clean up later, except that I had no idea when later would be, since when the bunny monster was awake, it allowed me to do nothing except bring it out for food or to feed myself. The apartment was beginning to stink bad enough without adding that sort of mess to it. That afternoon, after the bunny monster's revelation, was the first time I had fallen asleep so early. Was it possible that I could find an opening somewhere? I thought back over my life, back to when my mom was pregnant with my baby brother. I was ten and I had no idea where my father was, but lo and behold, he was a little brother. Due for the world in a few months. When she told me, my feelings were mixed. But as time moved on, I became more and more excited to have a brother, even one so much younger than I am. That eagerness faded when Mom grew, how do they put it, great with child. She was uncomfortable, held miserable all the time, and she had only a fraction of the energy she normally did. I remember her sleeping a lot and being damn hard to wake up. It was that memory 
that convinced me I had a chance, even as a small one, to stop this thing before it got out of hand. And for some reason, I was certain that once that thing gave birth, that was exactly how things would become, officially. That just left figuring out how exactly to do it. But seriously, how do you kill a vampire? I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that was what the money monster was. Hell, I had seen it drink more blood than I ever thought possible. I racked my brain trying to recall all the little clues from vampire lore, but found nothing helpful. More often than not, I cooked spaghetti for myself. It was quick and easy and fit with the bunny monster's demanding schedule. I tried putting more than the usual amount of garlic in the sauce, hoping the cloves would induce the bunny monster to leave. If anything, the smell of the garlic seemed to make it lip its lips with appetite. Holy water? I didn't have any, and I had no means to get any. But one night, we walked past a church, and I veered inside just to see what would happen. The bunny monster's claws dug into me painfully as expected, but no more or less than any other time I did not do exactly what it said. In fact, aside from its chagrin at my disobedience, it seemed perfectly comfortable within hallowed ground. From that, I deduced that holy blessings or other spiritual things mattered little to the bunny monster, and besides, in every story I could remember, you had to believe, really believe, in that stuff to make it work, and that was not me. So much for trying to ward it off with a crucifix. What to do, then? Staring at it, its chest rising slowly with each inhalation as I slept, I just wanted to grab a butcher knife from the block in the kitchenette and stab it to death. But what if that didn't work? I shuddered to think of what it would do to me if I tried and failed. If it sucked me dry like it did those homeless men and women, would I live to feel the last drop leaving? Would part of me be trapped within it and its offspring living, if you could call it that, in terror forever? That was asinine, but I could not get the thought out of my head, so I sat there, impotent in my fear, and drifted off to sleep while I had the chance. I awoke a short while later, sitting upright with a start. My heart was pounding, and I was wet with sweat. The dream must have been a doozy, but I could not remember any of it. It was odd. I usually remembered most of my dreams. Going back over them helped ease the drudgery of my work days a lot of the time. Wiping the sweat off my brow, I decided it was probably just as well that I did not remember. Any dream that left me in such a state was best cast aside as quickly as possible. Besides, whatever the waking world and the bunny monster had to throw at me would be so much more worse. I glanced aside and did a double take. The bunny monster was still asleep. That was odd. Ever since it first arrived, it had awakened before I did. Most times, until the last couple of days, as its pregnancy grew more pronounced, it had been awake when I fell asleep as well. Oh, I had caught it on napping a time or two, but rarely, and this was unheard of. Moving carefully to avoid disturbing the money monster's cushion, I boosted myself up from the couch. As I reached my feet, I was struck by the urge to flee. Just run the hell out the door and get out of there. Go to the nearest police station, tell them what happened, so they could come in force and take the bunny monster down. No sooner had I thought that than I realized how stupid that thought was. The police would not believe me. Best case, they would ship me off to the funny farm. Worst case, they would lock me up and charge me with all those homeless people's death. Or both. By the time they realized I was telling the truth, the bunny monster would have given birth, and so maybe would have its offspring. And then, it would be too late. Now, there was no shoving the bunny monster problem off on somebody else. I had to deal with it, and quickly. But first, I needed to brush my teeth. They felt like they had a year's worth of accumulated gunk on them, but it had only been a week or so since I last managed the time to take care of that little chore, and I had a horrible metallic taste in my mouth. 
I trudged over to the bathroom, scratching at an itch on my forearm, and tried not to notice how I smelled. I was sure I'd probably put those homeless people to shame. I looked even worse. The person brushing his teeth in the mirror was un almost unrecognizable. Unkempt brown hair that was going gray? When did that happen? Going gray at the temples. A scraggly beard that also bore its share of silver. Sunken eyes with dark half-circles below them. A stained green t-shirt with some obnoxious logo or other on the breast. All in all, I looked like hell boiled over. Couldn't imagine why. I swished and spit and found myself transfixed by the sight of the water from the faucet as it took hold of the foamy residue from my mouth and swirled it down the drain. I blinked and spat again and watched it flow away. There was something about that. An image flashed through my mind like a single frame inserted into a movie. I almost fell over. I had to grab the sides of the sink to keep my feet. What the hell was that? It came again, and I found myself sagging forward. My forehead touched the mirror, and I remembered. I saw it. I was back on Ketchum Station, repairing some fried wiring in the rear of a backup lighting switchboard. They'd experienced a minor malfunction that managed to knock out their primary lighting a couple days earlier. The backups had engaged automatically, of course, but several of the backup lighting strings failed, hence their urgent need for an electrician, once the initial malfunction was resolved. Wiring that particular switchboard was mostly intact, so I finished quickly, closed up the switchboard panel, and moved on. Or I tried to move on, anyway. The switchboard was directly opposite one of the station's research labs. What exactly they were doing was beyond me and well above my pay grade, so I made sure not to pay too much attention. It was easier to avoid trouble that way. But something in the lab caught my eye, and I found myself stepping toward the large plexiglass window that separated the lab from the corridor where I was working. I glanced around, but none of the white lab coat-wearing people noticed me. Their attention was fixed on some device toward the rear of the lab. I could not see what it was, but clearly it was important. From another room off to the left, a burly scientist entered the lab carrying two wire mesh cages, one in each hand. Each cage had a cute white rabbit. The bunnies seemed relaxed and content even when the guy dropped their cages, quite abruptly, onto a countertop near the center of the room. Only one of the couple of the researchers opened the cages, reached in, and yanked them out by the scruffs of their necks, did the bunnies react, kicking and squirming in their captors' grips. The researchers turned their backs to the window, to me, and carried the bunnies further back toward the device I could not fully see, and I got a hollow feeling in the pit of my stomach. What were they doing to those little rabbits? What are you doing? The gruff female voice made me jump in surprise. I turned to see Dr. Liu, one of the more senior researchers on the station, glaring at me. She was in a white lab coat, like all the others, Though her security badge had several more stripes of color than almost everyone else's did, she could go pretty much anywhere in the station she wanted. Her hair, still mostly black despite the fact she was certainly in her mid-fifties at least, was pulled back into a neat bun. All in all, she was not bad to look at, except for that glare. I said something inane about just finishing up what I was doing, and she grunted. Don't linger! Her eyes lowered and narrowed as she focused on my security badge and my name, Barry. This is a security area. I'm sure there's more work for you elsewhere, yes? I nodded and, gathering up my toolkit, turned away. I blinked and came back to the present. Glancing out of the bathroom to where the bonnie monster lay waiting, I felt a surge of adrenaline flow. The image of the researchers mishandling those rabbits, and they were so similar to the bonnie monster, would not go away. I shook myself to ward off the chill that was traveling up my spine. Whatever it was that was going on aboard Ketchum Station, 
had no bearing on my problem how to take down the bunny monster and free myself, while at the same time saving the earth from an infestation of the buggers. I pushed myself away from the bathroom sink and stepped out into the main room of my apartment. Again, I looked over at the kitchenette to the small block where I kept my cooking knives. Maybe it would work. Rustling from the couch drew my gaze away back to the money monster as it slowly stirred. It would be awake soon, and once it woke, I would have to put such thoughts out of my mind. I did not know how far the monster could go, whether it could just implant its own thoughts or read all of mine. But if it detected any hint of a plan to do it harm, things would get ugly very quickly. I hurried over to my corner of the couch and sat down, slumping back against the cushions, as though I were still asleep. It would not do to have it wonder how long I had been awake and what I had been doing. A small voice in the back of my mind whispered that it likely did not care, that it knew it had me cowed and was satisfied in its superiority. I forced that voice down, irritation mixed with disgust added sentiment, as well as the fact that the sentiment was true, leading me extra strength to get my thoughts under control. I waited. But at some point, I drifted off back to sleep. I did not realize it had happened until the bunny monster woke me with a pair of rough scratches along my forearm. That's how it always went in the morning. If I was not awake as soon as it rose, I got a scratch. Never enough to draw blood, but enough to sting for a while and get me up. But it never before had to scratch me twice. I bolted awake, clutching at my arm and cursing softly, but the words died on my lips as I saw the bunny monster staring at me, its blood-red eyes narrowed into dangerous slits. If it were human, I would have said it wore accusation on its face. Too much sleep. I blinked, and it also bore accusation in its thoughts. Had I given myself away somehow? Sorry, I, I shook my head and rubbed at my eyes for a moment and glanced at the clock. An hour had passed since I sat back down on the couch. Felt like five minutes. I had an intense dream. The bunny monster stared at me for another long moment, then turned and hopped off the couch, apparently satisfied. Come, we hunt. Obediently, I stood from the couch and went to my coat rack to retrieve my jacket. As I prepared to go on another ghastly journey, I shifted my thoughts back to the short nap I had taken. Intense dream. That was an understatement. I was back on Ketchum Station again. It was vivid. Every detail as plain and real as if I were actually there. I was taking a coffee break, sitting at a table in the corner of the station's small cafeteria and nursing a steaming cup of what almost passed for a decent brew. In that respect, it was a far sight better than the coffee in most of the workplaces I had been in since leaving the Navy. Just three scoops of sugar and a couple of dollops of cream was all it took to make the coffee drinkable. That was one thing about the Navy. Those salty guys really did know how to brew a mug. I tried to remind myself of all the bad things, the reasons I had gotten out, but right then, sipping on that barely tolerable mug of joe, it was hard to remember. I was not alone in the cafeteria, though I sat alone at my table. A pair of men in researchers' white lab coats stood on the other side of the room, in front of the stainless steel of the service station, and gave their orders. They would likely sit together and leave me alone. One other table was occupied by a woman in workman's coveralls but she had her back to me and was watching the latest ball game streaming on the live feed from Planetside. So, while I was not alone, I had my privacy, which is the way I wanted it. Get in, do my thing, and get out. That's how I always preferred to do business, and this day was no different. I turned my gaze away from the others in the room and stared down at my coffee, my thoughts drifting forward to rest of the morning's task. There was a faulty solenoid in the actuator on an emergency bulkhead sealed door on deck three, 
a set of malfunctioning lights in the female birthing area on the O1 level, and that would be no fun. The hoops I would have to jump through to get in there, let alone the hoops I'd have to jump through while working there, saw to that. And there was a new fan to install in fan room 6. There was a lot to do in one morning. But then again, the station was getting up there in years, and even without the recent malfunctions, there was plenty of do to keep the aging infrastructure going. Very promising results. Nearby voices drew my eyes from my mug. The two research men were settling down onto white plastic chairs at the table next to me. They each held a bagel and a small plate in one hand and a cup in the other. Their security badges were only slightly less striped than Dr. Liu's had been. That meant they were very high in the chain, though I did not recognize them, which is hardly surprising, since I just reported the board. The research man who spoke wore a large grin on his face. His companion was less cheerful. How can you say that? It almost worked, and the data we got will help us refine the settings. Next time, the glum researcher waved off his colleague's comments. Data, Schmeda. Did you see what happened to that rabbit? The portal... They stopped talking, seeming to notice me for the first time. His mouth shut with an audible clank of teeth striking teeth, and he scowled. This doesn't concern you, he said, looking right at me. His tone became cold, biting. As the man spoke, his cheerful companion followed his gaze with a stare of his own. His lips, turned upward a moment ago, compressed into a scowl. I recognized what that meant. Part of me wanted to protest that I was here first. They were intruded on my private time. But I knew that would do no good, and likely they would land me in trouble anyway. So I stood up. Sorry, gents, I was just leaving. I slipped around their table, trying not to feel my head being ripped apart beneath the weight and economy of their combined stares. Coffee sucked anyway. I walked over to the trash can near the doorway and tossed it, plastic mug and all. Then I took a minute to sling my tool bag over my shoulder. Before I left, I heard the researchers begin speaking again, more quietly this time, but still loud enough to easily carry to where I was standing. Just a few setting changes and the quantum tunneler will be operational. When that happens, who cares what happened to a couple of stupid rabbits? That was the cheerful one again. His voice called off abruptly as the door slid shut behind me. I was happy to hear it go. I had work to do. The Quantum Tunneler Hmm. The bunny and I were walking the streets again, looking for the bunny monster's next victim. I hardly noticed where it was taking me, the people around me, or the time of day. Which was unusual, it, or she, had almost never taken me out during the day, let alone on a hunt at this, at this time. And yet, here we were. She must really be hungry to throw caution in the wind like this. But I did not care. Maybe I should have, but I did not. My mind kept going back to those words. The quantum tunneler. That was important. I could have sworn I had heard those words before, but from where? That one. The bunny monster's insistent thoughts intruded rudely into my head, forcing me out of my contemplation as it directed me to the right, toward a woman sitting alone on a bench a half a block down the street from where I stood. Hated when the bunny monster took women. As we approached, I saw that the woman was not like the other victims had been. She was young, with red-gold hair and a lovely face. Her clothing and jacket were inexpensive, but not in disrepair. There was no odor of alcohol about her, and she did not seem beaten down by the world. Rather, she seemed cheerful. Not at all like the others. She saw me coming and quirked an eyebrow upward. Spare some change, mister? I'm on the brood. She said. Her voice was clear and strong. Optimistic. I shook my head. A negative meant for the bunny monster, not for her. Not her. 
Bunny Monster couldn't have her. I tried to veer away, but I felt the claws dig in deep. Deeper than usual. Deeper than they ever had after that first day with the monster. I tried to bite my lips to keep from crying out from the sudden agony. Mister? The girl sounded concerned. You okay? I curled my arms over my chest and tried again to turn away. Maybe I could keep the monster from reaching her. But despite its increased bulk, the bunny monster remained more than limber. It squirmed against my chest, digging its claws in with each move, and forced itself out of the V in my trench coat. There it paused for the briefest of moments, casting a baleful look at me that promised pain and worse. The girl saw it. Her concern became confusion, followed by enchantment. What a cute bunny! Her words were lost in a shriek of terror as the bunny launcher bared its fangs and leapt at her. It should have got her. It should have killed her and feasted on her blood just as it had had so many others. But somehow, in that one moment, I was the faster. As it leapt, I lunged forward, stretching my arms like a wide receiver going for a pass who was just slightly overthrown, but never actually expecting to catch the thing. When I felt soft fur in my hands, I almost let go in surprise and shock. Hell, the bunny monster froze in shock as well. Or at least I presume it was in shock. Regardless, it did not move in those couple seconds that I had it in my grasp. I did not stop to wonder at the turn of events. Instead, I turned and hurled the bunny monster away hard as I could. It flew through the air, tumbling head over a fluffy tail in a way that, in different circumstances, would actually have been funny. Then it struck an overturned trash can at the entrance of a nearby alley. Part of me wondered, hoped, that the impact had killed it, but I knew better. At most, it would delay the bunny monster's attack, and only now it would come after me as well as the girl. We had to get out of there and fast. I turned back to her. She was looking at me with wide, fearful, confused eyes, and her mouth was agape. What? <laughs> what? She stammered. But this was no time for explanations. Run, I cried, and I shoved her the back of her shoulder, turning her around and propelling her away from the bunny monster's landing spot before she could raise a word of protest. Amazingly enough, she ran. I could not understand it at first. Maybe it was because the whole situation was just too weird. Maybe I managed to put enough fear and command in my tone that she decided it would be better to do what I said, at least for the moment. Or maybe it was the roar, an actual honest-to-God roar of fury that the bunny monster made before it set out after us. I'd seen how quickly it could move. Its small body was deceptive, and I knew it could catch us easily if we did not get out of there and fast. The problem was, get out of there to where? All up and down the street, shops were boarded up. The few that were were not, were open for business, the entrances standing wide open to admit customers. Not exactly an ideal place to run, where the bunny monster could easily follow. There were cars, though. A steady stream of cars flowed down the street, never so often a cab. If I could flag one of them down, we could, and I shelved the thought as soon as it reared its head. In the time it took to get a cab, the bunny monster would be honest. And besides, I had no money on me, and I doubt the girl did either. She had just been begging for a spare change. What is that thing? The girl asked in between gasps. She was getting winded quickly. A bad sign. Long story, I said, knowing it was a lame answer. I cast around looking for something, anything, and then I saw it. At the corner of the next block, across the street, a tea station. If we could get down there and onto a train. Come on, I said, and picked up the pace. I was already running at well beyond a comfortable pace, but now that I had a good goal in sight, there seemed no point in holding back. The girl opened her mouth to protest, I thought. But just then, the bunny monster roared, and I heard a crash from astern. Looking back over my shoulder, I saw that it was rapidly closing the distance. It was maybe 20 yards behind us now. The crash was from another garbage can, 
The bunny monster must have knocked into it because it lay on the ground in the monster's wake, rolling away slowly as it spilled its contents onto the sidewalk. Gross. But it spurred the girl on to greater speed. We charged down the street. I heard the bunny monster behind us, but I did not dare look back again. It cost too much speed. The tea station was only a short distance ahead, and I began to think we might make it. Then something solid and sharp struck me in the center of my back, and I stumbled forward, landing face first on the sidewalk. It had me. I could hear its breathing, feel its claws digging in as it scurried up my back toward my neck. Briefly, I thought it would just punish me, and that would be it. Everything could go back to the way it was. Or maybe I hoped that. But deeper down, I knew that was not the case. It meant to drink me dry, then have the girl as well. After that, it didn't really need me anymore. It had had its nourishment and was about ready to deliver its babies. Whether it killed me now or in a day or two was immaterial at this point. I squirmed, trying to roll over and slam my weight onto it, but again the bonnie monster seemed to weigh more, much more, than it should have. I went thumped down on my shoulder blades with its front paws. I found myself slammed into the sidewalk again. Fool. Its thought entered my mind, and with it images, horrible images, the things it planned to do to the girl after it finished me, and then to others once its babies were born. I had always known it would be bad, but to see it, I screamed then, and not just because I feared for myself. Then suddenly I heard an impact above me, felt a lurch, and the bunny monster was gone. I looked up in time to see the girl falling through on a kick. The bunny monster's excessive late must have been a trick of the mind because it sailed through the air and landed hard in the street, right in the path of a delivery truck. The driver tried to hit the brakes, but the bunny monster landed too close. The squeal of skidding tires and the smell of burning rubber reached us at the same moment as the softer sound of the bunny monster going squish beneath the truck's left front tire. I rolled over and pushed myself up onto my elbows, ignoring the pain in my back and chest for a moment as I stared at the truck's tire. I could see one of the bunny monster's rear legs sticking out from under it, unmoving. My mind screwed out in protest. Seriously? It couldn't be that easy. I had lived in terror and guilt for how long, fearing to lift a finger to that thing and letting it do all the things it had done. In the end, it was that easy to kill it. All at once, my disbelief turned into guilt and disgust at myself. I'd been such a coward. Flat back onto the sidewalk, the new wounds in my back screamed in protest, but I ignored them. I pressed the palms of my hands to my eyes, trying to ward back tears of remorse and pain. The girl's voice interrupted my self-pity party. You okay? I lowered my hands and found myself looking up at her face, which was only a foot or so above mine. She was crouching down next to me. Been better, I said softly. She looked me up and down quickly, then nodded agreement. I hope so. Gee, thanks, lady. What was that thing? I groaned and forced myself into a seated position. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Try me, she said with a snort. Just then I heard a creaking from over by the delivery truck. I turned my head and saw the impossible. The truck's tire was moving, bulging out in places and then returning to normal, as though something was squirming around beneath or within it, trying to get out. Oh no, I said as cold dread filled me. I began pushing myself to my feet. We gotta get out of here. What? asked the girl. Why? I found my feet and pointed at the tire. Her eyes widened in renewed fear. The bunny monster was still alive. A small crowd had gathered, people dressed in everything from dirty clothing, little more than rags, to tailor-made suits. They clustered around on the sidewalk, staring at us, at the truck, but most of all at the tire as it squirmed around. They were all in danger from that thing, but I couldn't worry about that. The bunny monster's first desire would be to get me. 
and the girl, whoever she was. They wanted her above and beyond the others, and there were surely many others that we had passed on the street that morning. I grabbed her arm, half expecting her to push me away when my fingers closed, but for a wonder she did not, transfixed as she was by the sight of the bunny monster struggling to free itself. We have to get out of here, I said, as fiercely as I could, while still keeping my voice low so it wouldn't carry. She was trembling intensely. Her eyes were fixed into a terrified stare, and she did not respond. I snapped my fingers in front of her face, and she jerked. We have to go. Now! She nodded quickly, in fearful jerks. That was enough for me. I grabbed her arm more firmly and pulled her along behind me as I made a beeline for the tea station, now only a few tens of meters away. All right, we're going about a half hour now, and it seems like a good place to stop as they uh, make their escape to the to the tea station. And uh, we're just a little bit less than uh, halfway through the story as a whole, so on schedule for four parts to get her done. Um, so, hope you enjoyed this one. A couple of a uh, couple of thoughts just about life. Um, in the past, I have uh, pitched doing. Uh, I think I've told you guys many times, hey, come support me on Patreon. Well, I'm not doing that anymore. A couple of reasons why. First of all, I wasn't making any money from it, so why bother? But, you know, in the last several months, there have been several times when Patreon has decided that uh, they don't like certain people being on there and kicked them off for what appears to me to be political reasons. Right? The, these are creators that have followers. And Patreon's stated purpose is to be a place where people who are making creative stuff can go and people who like their stuff can go and help support them so they continue to do their stuff. Nothing in that mission statement has anything about political narratives of any kind. It's supposed to be a completely neutral place, but Patreon appears to start wanting to take sides. And I don't want to deal with a business that wants to take sides that way, especially in contradiction to their stated purpose and and you know goals um so had no real big loss to me i hadn't really been making any cash there uh i am stopping supporting a couple people who wasn't really spending that much money there supporting folks either and there's other ways to support those people by buying their books or giving them donations at their websites or what have you so i'm not gonna be pitching that anymore it's disappointing but you know I, I just refuse to accept politics being put into everything, everywhere. It's just getting ridiculous. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, the the new uh, fixed version of the uh, Glimmer Vale audiobook is now up and uh, Audible's chewing on it. But meanwhile, uh, it's already been published and you can find it everywhere else. Uh, I just saw it on Kobo and Google Play and a few other places. Um, actually was like a dozen other places where it's currently up and running including on my website um, so Audible and iTunes will be following here shortly probably in the next week so that's cool um, and yeah that's about it so I hope you liked this part of the story if you liked it drop me an email or make a comment let me know uh, of course don't forget to subscribe to the channel whether it be the iTunes channel or the podcast or both that would be good too and go by my web store at ssnstorytelling.com slash shop and you can find this book and all my other books and you can go buy them with money or with cryptocurrency and 
download them. There's a great service I use called BookFunnel that'll send it straight to your e-reading device or your computer as you wish. Or you can buy the print versions of most of them and they'll get shipped to you. And those that are available on audiobook can get there too and get a download link and it's nice and good. And that, doing it that way, that's me, 90 to 95% of the money. Or you can go to all these black stores and I get maybe, you know, depending on them, 40 to 70%. Well, that's up to you, I guess. Um, yeah, swing by the website. Uh, I got the mailing list going so you can uh, find out about new releases. And uh, don't worry, I don't share your data with anybody. And we'll go from there. That's it. Drop me a line, let me know what you think. Until next time, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. You can find me online at michaelkingswood.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. My web store is ssnstorytelling.com where you can find all my books in your favorite formats. Purchasing through the web store nets me the most profit, but if you prefer, I'm also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and all the other usual e-tailers. If you want to learn about new releases, sign up for my mail list through the contact form at my website. I guarantee not to spam you, only send an email when I have some news to share. Finally, if you really like what I'm doing and want to support on a more regular basis, you can come by Patreon and become a patron. Just a couple bucks a month will help out a lot. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music, copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved. <laughs>